This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of eosinophilic granuloma from the pathology section on orthobullets.com. Histiocytosis X, or Langerhans cell histiocytosis, is a spectrum of diseases of the reticuloendothelial system with one of three general presentations, eosinophilic granuloma, Hans-Schuller-Christian disease, and Lederer-Siewa disease. Eosinophilic granuloma is usually a single self-limited lesion found in younger patients. Hans-Schuller-Christian disease is a chronic disseminated form with bone and visceral lesions. It's also known as Langerhans cell histiocytosis, and it has visceral involvement. Lederer-Siewa disease is a fatal form that occurs in young children. As far as epidemiology, eosinophilic granuloma most commonly occurs in children. 80% of those afflicted are less than 20 years of age. Hans-Schuller-Christian disease presents in children greater than 3 years of age, and Lederer-Siewa disease occurs in children less than 3 years of age. The male-to-female ratio of eosinophilic granuloma is 2 to 1. As far as location, eosinophilic granuloma commonly presents in the skull, ribs, clavicle, scapula, and mandible. There are also isolated lesions of the spine, with the thoracic spine being the most common. Eosinophilic granuloma can also occur in diaphyseal regions of long bones and the pelvis. Hanschuler-Christian disease has multiple bony sites, multiple lytic skull lesions, and visceral involvement of the lungs, spleen, liver, skin, and lymph nodes. As far as genetics, no clear genetic pattern of inheritance or locus has been determined. With respect to prognosis, eosinophilic granuloma has isolated involvement that is generally treatable with local management. Spine lesions can spontaneously resolve. In Hanschuler-Christian disease, prognosis depends on response to hemotherapy. Keep in mind that there is worsening prognosis with increasing extraskeletal involvement. And finally, in Lederer-Siewa disease, this is generally fatal in children less than 3 years of age. Now let's talk about the presentation of eosinophilic granuloma. Symptoms can be divided into skeletal involvement as well as vertebral involvement. As far as skeletal involvement, there can be pain and swelling at the region of involvement, and limping can be seen with pelvic or lower extremity involvement. As far as vertebral involvement, this can manifest as localized or diffuse back pain, increasingly kyphotic posture, and radiculopathy can occur with more aggressive lesions. Hanschuler-Christian disease has a classic triad of multiple lytic skull lesions, diabetes insipidus, and exophthalmos. Remember that diabetes insipidus manifests as increased thirst and water intake. Hanschuler-Christian disease also has visceral involvement that manifests as diffuse or nonspecific abdominal or chest pain. As far as imaging in the setting of eosinophilic granuloma, we'll go over the presentation on radiographs, MRI, and bone scan. As far as radiographs, in general, eosinophilic granuloma is known as the, quote, great mimicker, as it appears similar to many lesions. The radiographic differential includes osteomyelitis, leukemia, lymphoma, fibrous dysplasia, or Ewing sarcoma. Diaphyseal lesions are well-defined intramedullary lytic or, quote, punched-out lesions. The cortex may be thinned, expanded, or destroyed. And keep in mind that these lesions may have periosteal reactions. As far as metaphyseal lesions, these extend up to but not through the physis, and they have a less central location than diaphyseal lesions. 
Spinal lesions present as vertebra plana or flattened vertebrae in the spine, and they can also manifest with increased kyphosis. Cranial involvement manifests with multiple punched-out lytic lesions. Eosinophilic granuloma on MRI may show a soft tissue mass adjacent to bony lesions. Finally, eosinophilic granuloma on bone scan generally shows increased uptake in the region of a bony lesion. As far as histology, Langerhans cells are mononuclear histiocyte-like cells with oval nuclei with well-defined round or oval cytoplasm. Langerhans cells have a prominent nuclear groove, otherwise known as a coffee bean nuclei, that can be seen in most of the nuclei. They also have eosinophilic cytoplasm, which are generally pink, and stain with CD1A. Electron microscopy will show Burbeck granules seen inside the Langerhans cells. Histology will also have a mixture of inflammatory cells that are also present, giant cells will be present, and there will be a lack of nuclear atypia and atypical mitoses. This differentiates this condition from malignant conditions such as Ewing sarcoma, lymphoma of bone, and metastatic neuroblastoma, which may look similar based on the round cells alone. The treatment of eosinophilic granuloma can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative options include observation alone, bracing, low-dose irradiation, specifically with 600 to 800 centigrade, chemotherapy, or corticosteroid injection. As far as observation alone, eosinophilic granuloma is a self-limited process, and it is reasonable to treat with observation alone. Bracing is indicated to prevent progressive kyphosis of the spine. As far as outcomes, bracing will correct deformity in 90% of patients, and vertebral lesions will generally regain 50% of their height. Low-dose irradiation, that is again 600 to 800 centigrade, is indicated for lesions in the spine that compromise stability and neurologic status. Lesions are not amenable to injection or open treatment. As far as outcomes, low-dose irradiation is effective for most cases. Indications for chemotherapy include diffuse Hanschuler-Christian disease, and as far as outcomes, the prognosis is improved with less severe extraskeletal involvement. Corticosteroid injections are indicated for isolated lesions and can be performed after curatage as well. Operative options include curatage and bone grafting, as well as spinal deformity correction. Indications for curatage and bone grafting is for lesions that endanger the articular surface or are at risk for impending fractures. Spinal deformity correction is indicated for progressive spine deformity refractory to bracing. Approximately 10% of patients with spine lesions will need operative intervention for deformity correction. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A six-year-old boy presented to the emergency department with a suspected head injury after a fall. His parents attribute the injury to a loss of balance as they have noticed a worsening left-sided limp over the past two months. Radiographs of the head show multiple punched-out lytic skull lesions. A radiograph of the left proximal femur shows a lytic lesion. Further questioning revealed the child has recently been worked up for increasing thirst and nonspecific abdominal pain. A histology specimen shows mononuclear histiocyte-like cells with a prominent nuclear groove, otherwise known as coffee bean or reniform nuclei. The cytoplasm is prominently eosinophilic. What is the most likely diagnosis? And the choices are 1. Hans-Schuller-Christian disease, 
two, McCune-Albright syndrome, three, Mafuchi syndrome, four, neurofibromatosis, and five, Olier's disease. The correct answer to this question is one, Hanschuler-Christian disease. So to quickly review, Hanschuler-Christian disease is a chronic disseminated form of Langerhans cell histiocytosis with bone and visceral involvement in the lungs, spleen, liver, skin, and or lymph nodes. The classic triad of Hanschuler-Christian disease includes multiple lytic skull lesions, diabetes insipidus, which manifests with increased thirst, and exophthalmos, which is bulging of the eye anteriorly out of the orbit. Hanschuler-Christian disease often has multiple osteolytic lesions that can lead to spontaneous fractures. Symptoms of abdominal pain is often diffuse and nonspecific, but usually indicative of visceral involvement. Velez, Yanguas, and Warrior reviewed Langerhans cell histiocytosis. They report that Langerhans cell histiocytosis comprises a spectrum of conditions including eosinophilic granuloma, which is a single lesion, Hanschuler-Christian disease, which is multiple bony and visceral lesions, and letterer Seward disease, which is fatal and occurs in young children. Islinger et al. examined the presentation of Langerhans cell histiocytosis in patients older than 21 years old. They report that Langerhans cell histiocytosis most commonly occurs in children. 60% of patients present at less than 20 years of age. Radiographic evaluation revealed similar margin and matrix patterns in adult and children, with a geographic lesion without sclerotic borders being the most common pattern. The location in adults more commonly affects the diaphysis than children, that is 77% versus 56%. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 2, McCune-Albright syndrome is incorrect, as McCune-Albright syndrome will present with polyostatic fibrous dysplasia, cafe au lait skin pigmentation, and autonomous endocrine hyperfunction, for example, precocious puberty. Other endocrine syndromes may be present, including hyperthyroidism, acromegaly, and Cushing syndrome. Answer three, Mifuchi syndrome is incorrect, as Mifuchi syndrome presents with multiple enchondromas and soft tissue angiomas. There's increased risk of visceral malignancies, such as astrocytoma or GI malignancy with this syndrome. Answer four, type two neurofibromatosis is incorrect, as type two neurofibromatosis may have tibial bowing slash pseudoarthrosis and scoliosis, and will likely have typical cutaneous signs like neurofibromas and cafe au lait spots. Lytic lesions and vertebral involvement are unlikely. And finally, answer five, Olier's disease is incorrect, as Olier's disease presents with multiple enchondromas. The enchondromas are largely found throughout the metaphysis and diaphysis of long bones. The involved long bones are usually dysplastic with shortening and bowing. And moving on to the final question. A seven-year-old boy complains of pain in the right thigh for one month with no history of traumatic injury. A radiograph shows a poorly defined lesion that has invaded the cortex of the femoral diaphysis. A histology specimen from incisional biopsy shows proliferation of Langerhans cells and the presence of eosinophils. Which of the following is the most appropriate management? And the choices are 1. Conservative treatments with crutches and repeat radiographs in 6 weeks. 2. Wide excision. 3. Wide excision and chemotherapy. 4. Radiation therapy alone. And 5. Curatage and bone grafting. The correct answer to this question is 1. Conservative treatment with crutches and repeat radiographs in 6 weeks. So the clinical presentation, imaging, and histology described is consistent with eosinophilic granuloma, which is a benign neoplasm of histiocytes. 
the radiograph shows a poorly defined lesion that has invaded the cortex of the femoral diaphysis. The diagnosis is confirmed by histology with the proliferation of Langerhans cells and the presence of eosinophils. This form of histiocytosis is self-limiting and may be managed conservatively. Worsening pain and further destruction of the cortical bone would be indications for radiation therapy or curatage and grafting slash cementation to prevent pathologic fracture. Pathognomonic findings for eosinophilic granuloma include coffee bean indented nuclei in Langerhans cells and tennis racket-shaped Beerbeck granules within the Langerhans cell. Other commonly tested features of eosinophilic granuloma include spinal involvement resulting in vertebra plana and the two histiocytosis syndromes that is Hanschuler-Christian and Lederer-Seewood disease. That's all for this review about eosinophilic granuloma. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.